Coming soon to a city near you, Vinitaly Roadshow. Have you ever wondered how to attend Vinitaly for free? Are you a wine trade professional interested in a sponsored trip to Vinitaly International Academy or Vinitaly, the wine and spirits exhibition? Coming soon to Princeton, New Jersey, Harlem, New York, and Chinatown in New York City, Cardiff in Wales, London in England, and Roost in Austria. We'll be giving away our new textbook, Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0. Find out more about these exciting events and for details on how to attend, go to liveshop.vinitaly.com. Limited spots available. Sign up now. We'll see you soon. For all the super wine geeks out there, we have a special new series dedicated to you. We are reading excerpts from our new edition of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0. Wine lovers, tune in for your weekly fix only on Italian Wine Podcast. If you want to own a copy of this new must-read Italian wine textbook, just go to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Italic Vines, DNA, and the Myth of Origins by Attilio Scienza. The journey of the vine from the east to the west is like a series of interconnected rings, each representing the experiences of a distinct historical civilization. Though each civilization has its own point of arrival and departure, throughout history they have converged and interacted with each other in complex and significant ways. Even in the monophyletic hypothesis of domestication, in which a group of organisms is descended from a common evolutionary ancestor, and in centers of primary variation, are no longer the only explanation for the origin of varieties. It can be reasonably assumed that the third ring, the one that corresponds to the territory of Magna Grecia, the name given by the ancient Romans to the coastal areas of southern Italy, is the one that is of most significance to the students of Italian wine, having generated the greatest number of grape varieties. Advances in molecular biology have allowed us to understand with some precision the processes, times, and routes that led to the birth of the various vine varieties. These advances in our understanding of the history of the vine are important examples of multidisciplinary cooperation and interaction. In studying the origin of grape varieties, it is necessary to consider geology, climatology, and molecular biology. In addition, we must study the so-called softer sciences, those disciplines that do not always fully adhere to the scientific method, such as anthropology, linguistics, and archaeology. The journey of the vine is inextricably linked to human migration. Therefore, the phenomenon of expanding viticulture can also be considered from an anthropological point of view, once again underlining the importance of an interdisciplinary approach. Above all, genetics is crucial to our understanding of the origins of the vine. Starting with examination of the differences and coordinates of the genetic heritages of the various grapevine populations, genetic research has made it possible to formulate significant, though not exhaustive, hypothesis and set out the principal branches of the family tree of varietal groups of a European scale. From these studies of the identity of the vine in different parts of Europe and Italy, a consistent picture of a continent without fixed border emerges. 
It has always been a place of migration, interaction, hybridization, contrast, and conflict between peoples that has drawn life from a diversity of roots at a cultural and a political level. It is important to emphasize, however, that research on the origin of the European vine highlights the plurality of roots and matrices. Notable from this point of view is the case of the origin of wine civilization in southern Italy. In all its varied aspects, it increasingly reveals itself to be the result of a complex hybridization of cultural contributions from the most desperate origins, including Europe to Africa, the Middle East and Central Asia. Along with archaeobiology and molecular biology, the comparative study of myth and spirituality also forms part of this interdisciplinary dialogue, including what can be defined as archaeology of the mind. The attempt to reconstruct the mental landscapes of our remote ancestors, starting from the material choices in everyday life. The mystery of the origin of cultivated vine varieties is one that has long sought a solution. In the past, the answer has been sought in myth and literature, while in more recent times, research has focused on ampelographic comparisons. The outcomes have always been partial and have rarely produced completely satisfactory results. The real revolution in knowledge coincided with the emergence of molecular biology around the late 1980s. The genomic era that began with the decryption of grapevine DNA has revolutionized and often contradicted the assumption made by the Ilyllis culture of the 1800s, which relied on literary and mythological traditions. The reconstruction of the evolution of the most important grape varieties made possible by the application of advances in our knowledge, has produced unexpected results and revealed unexplained relationships. Giving new meaning to the word native. Italy is the second largest producer of tomatoes in the world after the United States. Tomatoes and their derivatives are a fundamental ingredient of Italian cuisine, an important symbol of the Made in Italy brand. Indeed, the tomato is so ingrained with our food traditions that we generally consider it as a, it a native product of our country. Yet, the tomato came to Italy after the discovery of the Americas. A similar conclusion can be drawn in relation to many of the grape varieties that are now cultivated in Italy. Most of them arrive from elsewhere, often giving rise to new varieties through spontaneous crossing. Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Only a small minority are the result of the domestication of the wild vines found in a specific place. In fact, only one group of vines can be called autochthonous in the true sense of the word, those that have in the semantic root of their name the term Labrusco Lambrusco. In common parlance, all the vines that have long been cultivated in Italy are called autochthonous, even when, strictly speaking, they are not. The question then arises as to whether the term autochthonous refers to a place or a time period from which a particular grape's cultivation can be documented. The study of the origin of vines, the identification of the places where the domestication and subsequent acclimatization first took place, and their valorization through the wines produced, 
mark the process of reappropriation of this plant material from its original place of origin. From this perspective, even the concept of autochthony can paradoxically lose its ordinary meaning and acquire a slightly different significance. Alongside the hypothesis testifying to the eastern provenance of some varieties, the concept supported for some time by Italian archaeobotanists of a Neolithic domestication of vines in many European areas is increasingly gaining ground, partly because of the growing success of indigenous varieties. Molecular findings highlighting the considerable genetic distances between grape varieties found in the distant geographic areas point in this direction. In Italy, the localization of varieties has more cultural than geographical significance, as the input of genetic material of eastern origin was more important than in other countries, and that the role of domestication of wild grapevines in the development of cultivated vines remained confined to the regions around the Po River and some Etruscan enclaves in central Italy and Campania. To understand the origin of the grape varieties that emerge in the small homelands around Europe's great rivers or alpine valleys, it is necessary to break down a territory which apparently shows very similar geographical features into smaller areas that have individual identities of their own. Climate modulation and contact with other cultures who were welcomed by those communities, not yet homogenized into a nation, form the logic of so-called geohistory, the history that the environment imposes on humans and the history of man's lifelong struggle with the land. Otherwise, it would not be possible to explain the impressive number of vines currently present in Europe, some 10,000, a genetic richness that cannot be found in any other domesticated herbaceous or arboreal species, nor the several dozen ancient vines of many Italian regions scattered over a relatively small territory. The biological diversity of the cultivated vine, the result of thousands of years of selection, mutation and gene recombination, as well as the selective influences of climate and human interference, is a legacy that nature and our ancestors have left us and which cannot be recreated in a laboratory. Once destroyed, this legacy cannot be rebuilt. It will be lost forever. Such biodiversity is not only a biological value as a stage in a natural though human-driven evolutionary process, but is also an economic resource for the creation of new vine varieties or for learning about the origin of the many varieties currently under cultivation. In recent years, on the wave of renewed interest in indigenous vines, there has been much discussion about the very meaning of the term. Beyond the origin of the word ktohon, from which autochthonous derives, which means land in Greek, and by extension, native of the land, the true meaning to be attributed to the term indigenous vine is the place where those vines best express themselves. The adjectivization of autochthonous as attributed to vine varieties is rather recent and is the result of a cultural attitude called indigenism. This current trend in anthropology and archaeology aims to treat each society as autonomous and thus to see its development in essentially endogenous terms. 
It therefore opposes models such as cultural diffusion, which involves the passage of genetic material and agricultural techniques from one place to another without the physical displacement of populations, and demic diffusion, which is related to the migration of early farmers. Indigenism is also at the root of the structural anthropology and nationalism, which permeated archaeology until the 1960s, 1970s in various European countries. This is at the root of a misunderstanding that confuses ancient with autochthonous, in the sense that many populations or plants are considered autochthonous only when they arrive from other places in the distant past. In the defense of indigenous grape varieties, the role of tradition is always invoked. Tradition is a collective, unconscious phenomenon, a continuous becoming which does not look back, except for the experience brought by each participant of the community, and being an expression of the action of many. It can never be claimed by an individual nor interpreted by them for self-interest nor, above all, considered aesthetic. In light of this, the return of ancient grape varieties to cultivation should be interpreted in the name of tradition as a faithful betrayal of tradition itself, for which their cultivation and winemaking does not follow patterns of the past and correctly uses technological innovation to offer consumers modern wines suited to our current tastes and eating habits. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.